not all that long ago. Bluegrass music and rock music, especially psychedelia and jam bands, were like oil and water. There was as much a divide between the two as the generations that created them. Baby boomers versus their parents, sometimes called the silent generation. But over time, people inevitably started bridging the two forms and found more acceptance from both these two formerly segregated camps, as well as new generations of artists and music fans eager to bridge these quintessentially American art forms and enjoy the hybrids that resulted. As a result, fans of bands like Newgrass Revival, Grateful Dead, John Hartford, Leftover Salmon, Infamous String Dusters, and Bela Fleck and the Flecktones, among others, very often traced back the roots of these groups to their origins and fell in love with those artists, too. And they're doing it to this day. The band you're hearing right now mixes their bluegrass and their jam in an almost equal proportion. Welcome to our episode on Yonder Mountain String Band. I'm your host, Joe Kendrick. Southern Songs and Stories is produced in partnership with Grassroots Radio, WNCW, and the Osiris Podcast Network and is available wherever you get your podcast and at WNCW.org. Soon WNCW will celebrate its 30th birthday, and the on-air portion of our fall fun drive begins on our birthday, October 13th, and runs all that week. We're going to be offering our live compilation, Crowd Around the Mic, Volume 23, which we're expanding to a three-disc set for the first time ever, thanks to the support of listeners just like you. One of the easiest ways to help spread awareness of the artists featured here on Southern Songs and Stories, their music, and this series is to subscribe to the podcast and to give it a good rating and a comment on the platforms where you listen. This is Southern Songs and Stories, the music of the South and the artists who make it. Now here's a brief moment on another great podcast from the Osiris Network. All of our podcasts can be found at OsirisPod.com. Hey now. This is Aaron from No Simple Road. No Simple Road is part of the Osiris podcast family. We're a weekly podcast that brings you in-depth and open, honest conversations with the musicians, artists, authors, and luminaries of the psychedelic jam band, improvisational music, and festival communities. We bring you inside the lives of the four of us that do this show, myself, Melanie, Apple, and Ryder. We bring you onto the porch and what it's like to live inside the long, strange trip. So if you like to laugh, if you like to have fun, if you like to learn stuff, come hang out with the No Simple Road crew on the porch and listen to No Simple Road on the Osiris Podcast Network. Just as it is impossible to find bluegrass artists who don't owe a debt to Bill Monroe, Flatt and Scruggs, the Stanley Brothers, and other great first-generation pioneers, it is hard to overestimate the importance of the Grateful Dead to artists who bridged rock and bluegrass from the 1960s onward. You can hear both influences in the instrumental jam that began the show with a bit of Yonder Mountain String Band's version of Del McCurry's All Aboard performed at the Cold Mountain Music Festival this June. You've got one of the hallmarks of bluegrass, with breaks for all of the melody instruments, as well as a hallmark of psychedelia with the band's fluid swirl and electric delivery. That part of the song went on for almost 13 minutes. Before their set, I talked with founding members Adam Ijala, Ben Kaufman, and Dave Johnston, along with Jacob Jolliffe and Allie Crawl, 
and asked them about their thoughts on how they arrived at their sound and how that sound might reflect some of its southern origins. Jacob here is still, I, I think, um, uh, well, obviously, you know, the, given the fact that we're playing bluegrass, you know, it's, uh, you know, the Bill Monroe and the Stanley Brothers, Flat and Scruggs has all you know, been a huge influence, even if some of us have listened to more of it than others. Um, you know, we couldn't even come close to make the sounds we do without that. And then I, I definitely have noticed that there are, like, southern bluegrass bands that have a jammier bent now even guys that have gone on tour opening for us where it's it's interesting seeing the like colorado jam grass influence on like southern traditional bluegrass bands because i've definitely seen that you know yeah i think that's taken a life of its own now i mean you seem to be more influenced by that second generation really i think than that first generation if 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 i can kind of venture out there not for me i'm definitely i feel just as influenced by the first generation yeah some of the second generation type of people for sure but yeah bill monroe and you know guys like that are big influence still (laughs) ellie here i'm a hundred percent influenced by jam bands and rock and roll i like to joke around with people (laughs) that if you start listening to the grateful dead then you might find yourself a bluegrass fan. Yeah. That's such a gateway. It's so true. You know, you know, no pun intended. Me too. <laughs> the gateway drug for bluegrass. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> I mean, and yeah. you've got a lot of that, a lot of that going on. Oh yeah. I mean, you think they're like kind of another band that I think is overlooked in comparison to the Grateful Dead, but who I, I still love the Grateful Dead. But lately, man, listen to the Almond Brothers, and that I mean, that's like that's like Southern rock. But man, it, I think it kind of goes good with bluegrass, and and when they're when those guys were firing in all cylinders, man, it's otherworldly. You know, it's so sweet. And I think a lot of the jam band culture, specifically guitar tone, comes from, was it, it uh, Dwayne, Dwayne Allman. I think people just straight up lifted from him and are still lifting from him. And, and uh, you know, more than maybe even Jerry Garcia. But, I mean, I think, you know, look at the Asheville sound, Asheville bluegrass it's very chopsy and jam oriented, and it always has been. But now I, I, I guess I sort of recognize more of a Colorado-y type, you know, high-speed kind of thing happening with it. You know. So. Well, the first the first thing that comes to mind is that they were really um, the first in the sort of uh, generation of of jam bands that kept it acoustic. You know, so. We watched the the evolution of bands like Leftover Salmon and String Cheese Incident, and we certainly are, you know, currently around bands like uh, the String Dusters or Green Sky Bluegrass and others. But you know, String Dusters have done that too. But Yonder Mountain was the first band that really could sell out Red Rocks, and it was an acoustic guitar and acoustic banjo and acoustic bass and an acoustic mandolin and four guys who sang that was their their production and they did it through that sheer force of will that they just they had a lot of energy they brought to the stage um they liked to really engage an audience and um so that was a remarkable thing to watch that first incarnation of yonder mountain string band um be able to be able to put across a great show to nine thousand people with as a four-piece band playing, you know, essentially bluegrass instruments. 
That was Nick Forrester of the band Hot Rise and the widely syndicated radio show E-Town, following Dave, Ali, and Jacob of Yonder Mountain. Nick has a lot of experience with the band from the time that they were new to Colorado onward. Nick played shows with them, he would sit in on their New Year's Eve gigs at the Boulder Theater, and would work out new songs and record demos with them in his basement. You'll get to hear more from Nick and the rest of the band as we go on, but first, it's time for some more of their set from Cold Mountain. They didn't cover any Grateful Dead that night, but they did give us their take on this nugget from the psychedelic era. There's a band um, that we have come to love called Fruition. And there's a woman that we've come to love called Mimi Naja. Welcome Mimi Naja to the stage, everybody. Y'all are so lucky. This woman now calls the Asheville area her home. She slays the mandolin, she slays the guitar, she slays the keyboards, pretty much anything you put in her hands. But right now, she's going to slay some vocals for y'all. Yeah. What a treat. Thank you all. Oh, Jake's got the Mando covered. Don't you worry about that. Just pull up and tell 
just had some kind of mushroom Thank you. Give it up for Yonder Mountain one time. Thank y'all. I thought about the places that are known for the style of music that you play based in bluegrass string band type music where it's truly taken root. And Colorado is one of those places because you can think about obviously here in Appalachia where it sprung from. Uh, places like uh, in New England, but you know, Colorado Front Range, you know, has that that identity. Um, why do you think it happened in Colorado? Because y'all aren't even necessarily from Colorado. No, none of us are. This is Adam. Um, in fact, only two of us live there now: me and Dave. And uh, you know, Ben's in California, Allie's in St. Louis, and Jake's in Brooklyn. Oh dear. But Ben was in Colorado for a long time. So when when the when we were first starting out, we were all there. Um, I don't know. I think you know, Hot Rise was '70s. You know, um, I think it's always kind of been that open-minded to different music type place. I think you know that allowed us to have the courage to go out and do what we did back in the day. You know. We had leftover salmon and, and string cheese incident before us, kind of paved the way a bit for us. Um, they had drums, but it was a similar vibe, I think. And they taught us a lot. And they were always really cool to us, too, when we first met salmon back in the day. I'm not sure why specifically the front range. It could be, you know, 
college towns tend to be a bit more progressive and open-minded so maybe it's a you know conglomeration of that with the mountain living mentality I don't know possibly anyone have anything to add to that I think I think a lot of artists just in general want to live in pretty places like Colorado and Asheville and I don't know New Orleans California just gonna name off all the pretty places in the country (laughs) they kind of gravitate towards artists I was just gonna say um this is Dave I think that uh when we started playing there in 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 the late 90s and early aughts you know as a I think that there was like a really healthy like hippie kind of community and huge music um music appreciators you know and people who would pay money to go see music and wanted to have a good time so and and fairly you know tolerant and open-minded about anything you know so and i think that's kind of continued now in the front range and it's i think it's always sort of been there but i mean we're definitely in like a like a blooming phase you know where every you know lots of different string bands are having lots of success out there so and they're moving like a lot of bands you know either formed there or folks within bands around the country are moving to Denver or, you know, Boulder or Fort Collins. So it's actually, like, kind of growing again. I want to say that a lot of people bailed in, like, the mid to late 2000s. Like, the <laughs> maybe between 2005 and 2010, a lot of moved to, you know, Brooklyn or Nashville. And then new folks are coming in now. It's kind of... That's how it seems to me, you know. You know, I don't know that bluegrass music is particularly geographically, you know, focused anymore. Certainly when you think about the founders and Earl Scruggs being from North Carolina and Bill Monroe being from Kentucky and Ralph Stanley and Carter Stanley being from Virginia and Lester Flatt being from Tennessee, you know, you can hear it in the way they sing um, that this is music that comes naturally and is a is an outgrowth of the tradition that they grew up in. But you know when you when you think about the last um, fifty years of you know bluegrass music, there's been a lot of geographic diversity in terms of where people come from, and you know the Osborne brothers and and Red Allen and others who came from you know spent a lot of time in Ohio. Um, Del McCurry's from Pennsylvania, you know, grew up there. You know these these differences become less important over time. The interesting thing, or to me the more interesting thing about Yonder Mountain is, you know, a lot of them were hanging around in Illinois before they came to Colorado. I probably can't say this on the radio, but, you know, they were in a band called the Blue Grass Holes. And uh, they they had a certain irreverence and a youthful exuberance that really, you know, more than where they came from, set them apart. So, you know, they were they were fun. They were um, they were kind of a wink and a nod, um, you know, to the counterculture and and the party, and uh, they built their audience that way. About a week and a half ago, two weeks ago, we were in the studio in Boulder. We recorded some new stuff. Uh, that song "Black Truck" a few songs ago, we recorded that, and we recorded this next one, written by Davey Johnston down there on the banjo. Still playing the banjo down here.
town Night ship when I was young I was packing Chinese metal boxes And then my youth was gone My brother and my sister found The hallway out of here I spun out on Route 31 I was burning through my ears Boredom and the boys downtown Became my only friends My mother at home and dying We were dreaming of revenge Hey hey, wire me in the morning It'll be alright Hey day, hey, wire me in the morning It'll be alright Gunshots in the river Better get it while you can I go out and count the headlights Makes me feel like a man I tell myself no good in waiting No good in the damage done And it never made a difference To be the sacrificing one Portland and the boys downtown Became my only friends My mother at home and dying We were dreaming of revenge Hey, hey, why me in the morning It'll be alright Hey, hey, why me in the morning It'll be
That's some of the latest music released by Yonder Mountain, the song Heyday, from their three-song Our Vinyl Sessions EP. Soon they plan on releasing a series of EPs, the next one being four songs. They also recorded a John Hartford song for an upcoming compilation. We recorded this conversation in early June, and there was one thing that I knew we wouldn't talk about, or at least I wasn't going to ask about it on the record their former bandmate and founding member, Jeff Austin. But later that month, he died unexpectedly, and the tragedy has cast its shadow on everyone who played with him, as well as this podcast, in a way. In Life, a podcast on Yonder Mountain string band that leaves out a mention of Jeff would be normal, along the lines of common courtesy. But in Death, neglecting to mention his relationship with and impact on the band would be to ignore the elephant in the room. Jeff Austin spent 15 years with the band that he co-founded before moving on, and like any long-term and intense relationship, those years had their ups and downs. The ending may not have been entirely friendly, but I know that the remaining members still had a lot of respect for Jeff's music, and if my guess is right, love for him as a person, too. They saw Jeff only a couple of times in the years after his departure, and whatever was left unresolved between them will have to wait for the hereafter. A few days after he passed, Ben Kaufman made a post about it all, including this excerpt, saying, Recently I had begun thinking about what it might feel like to play music with Jeff again, not to put the old band back together, not to tour, just to play music for a moment. That's the amazing thing about time. As it passes, it wears away all the rough edges of experience. It tempers and soothes. I certainly observed that effect in my own experience. When I'd think about the past, it was really only the good moments I found myself recollecting. All the challenges or difficulties just weren't at the forefront of my mind. They'd been washed downstream, diluted and dispersed. But the good memories were right there, and I could reach out and touch them and hold them. I could look at them with what felt like a different perspective. And that made me happy. End quote. Making music, it's, you know, just evolved. I don't think, as far as creativity or anything, I think it's, um, uh, there's just volume of bands has just gone exponentially greater. So, you know, we always say, you know, hey, if we're playing a specific festival and they're looking for one kind of like fringe, progressive type bluegrass sound, you got hundred something bands to choose from as opposed to when we started, it was... Hey, it's us, yay! <laughs> you know, or there was, you know, without drums, you know what I'm saying? Like back then, we were, we could we could fit in anywhere. We could play a, a hardcore bluegrass festival and we'd be the weird band. We could play a, a, a jam band festival and be the only band without drums. So um, I think it's harder now uh, in that regard. And as far as creating music, though, no, it's, 
we still feel good and energized and there's still we still have imaginations and still coming up with cool new ways to make the show more fun you know that's adam ajala with the final word on yonder mountain string band for this episode of southern songs and stories thanks for listening i'm your host and producer joe kendrick inviting you to like and follow the show on our facebook page on twitter at south scenes and instagram at south stories my email addresses are southernsongsandstories at gmail.com and joek at wncw.org. Southern Songs and Stories is part of the podcast lineup of both Public Radio WNCW and the Osiris Podcast Network. And you can also hear new episodes on Bluegrass Planet Radio. This is Southern Songs and Stories, the music of the South and the artists who make it. <laughs>